So we come to the second message, speaking of the songs of Christmas. The fullness of time is what I've titled this message. And uh, just a little bit about time as, as we go into our message. We're really not good at waiting, are we? No, most of us are not good at waiting. Uh, you remember Christmas morning, uh, presents under the tree, uh, anticipation growing. Uh, my parents had a couple of great tools to keep us uh, under wraps, so to speak. Um, they allowed us to open one present on Christmas Eve, albeit a small one. And that was great. We thought, okay, that's just, you know, feeding it just a little bit. But then on Christmas morning, on the end of our bed, we had bunk beds, all of us, and uh, at the end of our bed would be a small stack of books. We had a great uncle and a great aunt that lived in New York and worked for a publisher, and every Christmas morning we woke up to a stack of books, and that kept us occupied for just a little while. But then... You get up, you eat breakfast, the house is full of those uh, turkey smells, and you're waiting for uh, the relatives to come. I I had two grandmothers. They were always late. When are they going to get here? When's grandma going to get here? And then finally they'd get here, and my father insisted on reading the Christmas story, which was a really good thing, but when you're young, you know, you're just full of anticipation, you know? And then finally we would get to that moment. So... um, We're no better as adults, are we? We just kind of hide it a little bit. So, Uh, Another thing about time is that we're always trying to read the signs of the times. I used to work in a a grocery store, and I remember I always got a kick out of watching people try to read the signs of whether or not this fruit was really going to be good or this vegetable. Uh, There were the watermelon thumpers. You've seen them, haven't you? They come in, and they pick it up, and they're thumping away. I always wondered if they were playing a little song or something, like Doe a Deer or something like that, but uh, thumpers. And then there were the tomato squeezers. Who would want a tomato after somebody had squeezed it, you know? And so they were always trying to read, is, is this the time? Is this thing, is this thing ripe? And then the, there were the outward tasters, maybe you would call them thieves, that would walk along and taste the grapes, and the Bing cherries to make sure that they were indeed something that they wanted to buy, or at least eat on the spot. <laughs> I found, uh, as a young man, I'd never had a Bing cherry. And I worked there in the produce section, so I, one day I ate Bing cherries all day long. Every time I went past there, and I loved them. I fell in love with them. But that night, my stomach protested. And I've never had a Bing Cherry since then. So I think there was a lesson for me to learn. So we read the signs of the times. We're, we're not good at waiting. And we're really not good at discerning the times. You know, mankind has always tried to discern whether or not there would be war. And as a, a soldier, a former soldier, uh, I understand that. But I think of what we remember just a, a week ago, December 7th. Uh, we missed the science there. And a lot of people gave their lives that day at Pearl Harbor. And we try and discern what the weather's going to do. <clears throat> Farmers are always wondering what the weather's going to do, aren't they? Uh, yeah, so I remember a time, <clears throat> maybe you do as well, 
Uh, some of you will, some of you won't, but 17th of January, 1967. Does anybody remember what happened on that day? I guess not. Oh, Kathy, she's got her hand up, and there's another one back there. Uh, Chicagoland received 34 inches of snow in a really short amount of time, and it shut the whole city down. I was a senior in high school. It was a wonderful thing. No school for three days. Uh, lived in St. Charles, North Avenue. You could walk down North Avenue because no cars could get through. But, you know, all of the weather stations, 2, 5, 7, and 9, we had the same stations, they missed it. They all said, small chance of snow, no accumulation. <laughs> but WGN had a call from a man in Crystal Lake. I th I'm sure it was a good old boy. He had pigeons. And he called and he said, you know what? My pigeons are cooing three times instead of twice. He says, I think there's something big coming. There's a big atmospheric change and it's going to happen. So one man in Crystal Lake read the signs of the times and he got it right. Ten billion tons of snow is what they estimated that fell, fell on Chicagoland. So... Men are always trying to discern whether to sell, to buy, and then along comes drought, recession, depression. And you know, the whole world, all the people in the world, including God's people, that's us, we've continually misread or ignored the signs. God has sent prophets, He sent His word. And he sent it in various times, in various manners, and he's always trying to capture our attention, and he always wants our worship. And we've missed it so many times. And we think, you know, if we were alive when Jesus was born, we would have got it. I'm not sure. So many people missed it. The religious people missed it. We heard last week about 400 years of silence. People say that God was silent. And I have to ask the question, is God really ever silent? You know, if you look around you, let's say you don't have the word of God, but if you look around you, can you not see that God, there's a God in creation, in people, in all the things around us? So I, I question, you know, what does God's silence mean? I think it means that there, nobody was writing down his word during those 400 years. Here's the verse. But when the fullness of time had come, a train came. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. Isn't that an amazing proclamation in the fullness of time? I love that. It's a, a pregnant clause, if you will, in the fullness of time. So this morning's message points to that fullness of time. It points to the woman who bore the Messiah. And it points to that Messiah, Jesus the Christ, and it glorifies God the Father. So this morning, pray with me. Father, teach us the lesson that you would have us to learn this morning. 
and may it glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I need you to turn to Luke chapter 1, and we'll spend our time there, and I'm cognizant of the time. Uh, I want you to know that. Uh, an angel from God brings a promise. An angel from God brings a promise. Stand with me while I read 26, uh, Luke 1, 26 through 38. And uh, the rest of the scripture I'll read later, and you'll not need to stand for it then. But we want to honor God and his word. Uh, my title here says, The Birth of Jesus Foretold. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings. O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has, conceived, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Please be seated. The first thing I want us to see and understand is that uh, the concept of finding favor. Why was it that God chose Mary? And what does it mean that she found favor? Well, it's important. Two things are important uh, about Mary. Uh, more than that, actually, but... There's two things I want you to see. It was important that she be a virgin. And there was reasons behind that. Uh, we understand from God's word that sexual impurity is an abomination to the Lord. Over and over again when he teaches and, and prophesies and talks to us about the nation of Israel, he compares them to a prostitute, to an immoral person that has run after other lovers, other gods. So when God chose a vessel to bring his holy, the son that would be called holy, it needed to be in a, a virgin, a woman that was sexually pure. And it was important, on the other hand, that she be a virgin so there'd be no misunderstanding that this child came from a human being, a man. It didn't. It came from the Holy Spirit, the power of God that overshadowed her. And another reason why God chose Mary 
was because of her betrothal to Joseph. The scriptures have told us over and over again that a king would come from the lineage of David that would never fail to sit on the throne forever and ever. And we know that that king was Jesus. So it was important that she was from, uh, married to somebody from Joseph's lineage or would be married to him. And we'll see when we get to Mary's song that God chose, understand this and hear it, that God chose a poor and a humble girl. That's how God works. Uh, God looks on people of humble estate and lowly estate, and God uses them all through the scriptures. That's an important factor this morning in this message. And the last thing I want you to understand is that favor, when it says that she found favor, that literally means that there's been a bestowal, a giving of God's grace. It's not that Mary deserved this bestowal. It's not that she deserved favor from God. (laughs) None of us do. It was a bestowal of God's grace. God chose her because he had something for her to do. And you know, you may be thinking this morning, you know what, I could never (laughs) be a Mary. Of course, for us men, we understand that. uh, That God could never find favor with us. And you know what? All of those who name the name of Jesus Christ, all of us who have put our faith in what the Lord Jesus did on the cross for us, bearing our sins, becoming sin for us, and we've come to him recognizing that we need a Savior to save us from our sin, every one of us has had his favor bestowed on us, just like with Mary. And he's got some task for us to do. He's called us to some task. And even to do these tasks, he bestows on us his favor, his grace, so that we can complete the good works that he prepared beforehand, that we can walk in those works. You know, aren't you glad this morning? I mean, we're sinners. Aren't you glad this morning that God bestowed his grace upon us and his mercy and his favor? I am. I I certainly needed it. I was uh, uh, totally lost and headed for hell. All of us were. So Mary has found favor. The second thing I see is that she was fraught with fear. (laughs) It says in the scripture uh, that she was afraid. And uh, you know what? When God puts his favor on us, when he first gives us his grace... I remember when when God saved me and when he saved my wife, Kathy. And I remember thinking, my friends are going to think I'm crazy. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to think, what's wrong with this guy? You know, I'm going to have to tell them that God spoke to me. (laughs) He spoke his word to me. If I'm going to be honest, that's what I'm going to have to tell them. And, and, And that brings fear sometimes. And I'm going to have to tell them that he saved me and he made me a new person (laughs) and that he's got a call on my life. Have you been able to say that to to people in your life? You know, that's what God does, and sometimes that brings fear. It means different priorities, different people, different places. 
And sometimes it feels like we're stepping off a cliff. I remember when Kathy and I, the first thing we did as new Christians was go to Guatemala. It felt like we were stepping off a cliff to trust the Lord. And so there's, there's some fear in, in, in trusting the Lord. And, uh, you know, God's word mentions the word fear over 500 times in the Bible. The majority of those times are fear not, do not be afraid, for I am with you. That's something we need to hear every week. Fear not, do not be afraid, for I am with you. And Mary was afraid. The angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This morning, you know, I'm going to ask just for a little bit of interaction. You might not like it, but, you know, I love to embarrass people. So uh, I want you to put your name in that phrase where the, the Scripture says, do not be afraid, and instead of Mary, put your name in there for you have found favor with God. And I'm going to say that aloud, and I want you to say it with me this morning. You can see the verse in your Bible. You're going to repeat with me, do not, come on, folks, do not be afraid, David, your name, for you have found favor with God. Do you believe that this morning? I really want to ask that question. Do I believe it? So not only... Was she fraught with fear? But that was followed by confusion. So after the angel tells her the amazing thing that's going to happen, (laughs) can you imagine that? A young girl, uh, she's really confused. Guess what? The angel says, you're going to have a baby. And then he tells her five things that are really worth noting about this baby. I don't have time to develop them, but I want you to hear them one more time. Here's what he says. You shall call his name Jesus. That means he will save us. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Oh, my goodness. What kind of a child is this? The Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. I think Mary has an idea that this sounds an awful lot like the promised Messiah. I'm going to be pregnant with the Messiah? How will this be since I'm a virgin? You know, when God bestows his favor on us as his people in order to do a task, there's sometimes confusion, isn't there? Have you ever felt like God was calling you to do something? And maybe you discuss this in your family or between husband and wife. I think God has called me, well, how's that going to work? Where were we going to get the the money to go to Guatemala when we stepped out? Uh, What about all these shots they said we had to have? And how are we going to get there? Uh, Is God going to be faithful in this thing? And, And Mary's got some confusion. She's got fear, and she's got some confusion. Many of us have asked those same kinds of questions. So what is it that's required of us when we're in that fear and confusion? 
next thing, the next point, it's finally attended by faith. And that's where Mary, she got to. <laughs> the angel tells Mary about the Holy Spirit, the, the power of the Most High that will overshadow her, and, and that her son will be called Holy, the only Son of God. And he tells her about Elizabeth, her, her relative, and what has happened to her in her old age, that barren woman going to conceive a son. And finally, he tells her one more thing. And that, you know, we could end, you probably wish I would, we could probably end the message with this one thing that he says, because I love this with all of my heart. It's something that you and I need to hear and understand. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, I know, I know without a doubt that some of you have some things in your lives that you're thinking, I just can't see how this is going to work out. I had a counseling thing in the middle of the week. Dearly loved people of ours, how in the world, it seems impossible, how can this work out? There's an old song, and I always fear and tremble to do this, but just kind of bear with me. Got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Have you got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. He'll do for you what no other power can do. Do you believe that this morning? Nothing is impossible for God. So here's Mary's faith statement. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I told you this was going to be interactive. If you can say that to the Lord this morning, I want you to say that with me. We're going to say that together. What a great commitment to the Lord from Mary. And I hope this is the, the cry of your heart. Say it with me. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You see, God will bestow upon us his grace. And you know what? He even bestows the faith. You might be saying, well, I don't have a faith like Mary. Uh, Ephesians 2 8, 9, and 10, and I always have to get Tiffany to help me with 10, but for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It doesn't come from us. It's the gift, gift of God, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship. All right, he's prepared work for us to do. And he gives us the grace and the faith to do that work.
And that's the message, part of the message that I want us to hear this morning. She was attended by faith. So the next thing, we'll move on. There was an affirmation from God through his people. Second point. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, Mary fled to Elizabeth. So I'm going to read verses 39 uh, through 40. And, and here's what happened. Mary visits Elizabeth. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. All right. <laughs> so why? You know, what's going on here? Here she is. She's unmarried. She's pregnant and living in a culture in Israel uh, that would carry a huge stigma to say nothing of judgment and trouble and punishment, possibly, for a woman who was pregnant without being married. And, and she wasn't showing yet. She, she had just heard this message. But she's thinking, who, who can I talk to? Who do I go and tell, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant and I'm not married. Who do you tell that to? Do you tell it to your family? Do you tell it to the, the local neighbors? Uh, what do you do with that information? And, and I can't, it's hard for me to understand and even imagine being in that situation. <laughs> but she needed to talk to someone. She needed to see someone who would believe her. And she knows, I imagine she was thinking about this a thousand times a day, just over and over and over again. What? I'm pregnant? I'm going to have a child? How do I, who can I talk to? She remembered what the angel told her. Elizabeth, your relative, that barren old woman, she's pregnant. She's six months along. And so she flees. It says she made haste to go to the house of Elizabeth. And you know what she found when she got there? She found affirmation. That's just one of the things she found. That's putting it mildly. Listen to the text here. And this is verses 41 to 44. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, here comes Mary bursting in the door. I, I'm trying to envision this. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. Hi, Elizabeth, it's Mary. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. I think she not only found affirmation there, she found confirmation, she found consolation, and, and she found she was waiting in anticipation. You know, there's times, there are times when we hear from the Lord and we need to go to another person. That happens to me all the time. I thank God for the the mentors that he's placed in my life, three or four men that I can go to and I know they're going to tell the truth. I know they're going to understand 
and I know that they're going to tell me what I need to hear. They're going to affirm me or perhaps tell me I'm headed in the wrong direction. So there's times when we need to go to another person. It could be a relative, a friend, a sister, a brother, a brother in Christ, someone who knows what we're going through, someone who knows the trouble that we're in. <laughs> I could burst into another song there, but uh, nobody knows the trouble I'm in. Nobody knows but Jesus. But you know what? I think that's only true some of the time because I think Jesus puts people around us that know exactly what we're going through. And I think he does that for a reason. I think God uses those kind of people to comfort us with the comfort that they've been comforted with. Oh, a close friend of mine lost his mother recently. I've been through that. I'm able to comfort him with the comfort that I was comforted with. That's how God works. So Mary's pregnant. She goes to see a relative that's pregnant, and they, they connect. They connect. I think of the young mothers uh, from Village Bible Church that Kathy used to pray with, and some of them are still friends today, but they needed that connection with each other. They needed other people to confirm and affirm and console and to wait in anticipation to see God working. So God works through other people. And God fills these people sometimes with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever talked to somebody and you knew that God had spoken to you through that person? And I thought about the analogy. It was like <laughs> uh, leaping up inside of you, the feeling that, oh my goodness, that was a word from the Lord that that friend spoke to me. We need that from one another. It works both ways. We need to be willing to go, and we need to be willing to have people come to us for affirmation. And not only did she find affirmation, her faith was fortified. That word fortify, when I was in Vietnam, we spent a huge amount of time and a lot of energy fortifying. And we fortified with sandbags. How many of you have filled thousands of sandbags in your life? Oh, I have. So uh, sandbags, they're heavy. But you know what? We had 55-gallon drums full of sand, and in between them we, we, we put, covered all the holes and the spaces with these sandbags, and, and we put things around us that would protect us and fortify us and, and build us up and, and, and give us these walls the strength for when a mortar round or a rocket would come in. And, and so I was thinking about this fortification of our faith, and I was thinking that the Lord does things for us. And if we just look back at those things, every one of them to me is like a little sandbag that God has done for us. And sometimes we forget to look back and say, this is what God did. This is what God did. This is what God has done in my life. And, and I love that picture of that kind of fortification. So this is what happened with Mary. Mary's faith was fortified by what God was doing in her life. And listen to Elizabeth's last words in the text, because you can see the faith statement that she makes about Mary in verse 45. Elizabeth says, And blessed is she, Mary, who believed 
that's faith, believed that there would be a fulfillment. There would be an answer. There would be from the Lord. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I think that's a message that we need to hear this morning. A lot of us are waiting. Kathy and I are waiting on the Lord to do some things. The Lord is going to do those things. He's promised that he would. Blessed are those who believe that. Believe that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken from the Lord. The last thing I want us to see this morning, it took me all this time to get to it, is the song. It's not going to be long. All glory to God from a song of praise. Mary's song of praise called the Magnificat. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. I could never begin to express the eloquence, the, the majesty, or the depths of this amazing song. And people have written volumes about this song that Mary wrote. How in the world could a, a, a teenage young woman <laughs> with little or no education, I expect, apparently she knew the word of God, certainly no wealth, no standing in the community, how in the world could she write such a magnificent song? Well, you know what? I think the answer's in the song. It's, it's definitely in the song. So let me read the first half of this song, verses 46 through 50. We're moving towards the end of this message. Mary's song of praise, the Magnificat. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty, has done great things. I could sing a song there too, but I won't. He has done great things for me. And holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him. First thing I want us to see about God, because this is a song of praise to God from Mary, is that God is the father and friend of the humble. And if you miss this principle, you won't know God. You have to understand that. From all through the scriptures, all through history, from Abraham, think about Abraham, from the Ur of Chaldees, wherever in the world that was, a small family, Moses thrown into the river in a basket and floated away, and David, a small little David, who's his father anyway? Who's his family? And then Jesus, born to this woman of no standing. That's how God works, through the humble and the poor and the lowly. And when you think about Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, as we've preached before, what does he talk about? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn over their own sin. And blessed are the meek who put others in front of themselves. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. God meets people who know that they need him. It's only fitting that such a song would come from Mary because of her station in life. But it comes through the Holy Spirit, and we've got to see that. And it's a song that magnifies the Lord, and it rejoices in God the Savior, and it calls him mighty and holy and recognizes his mercy. I want you to see first stanza ends with mercy, and then the last stanza is going to end with mercy. So let me read the second part of this, verses 51 to 53. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. That's a far-seeing word. That's a prophecy. I'm just, I had to, had to start with F. So that's a far-seeing word concerning the Messiah. You see, the Spirit of God writes through the personality of people, and he wrote through the personality and faith of Mary. And she penned these prophetic words <laughs> and, uh, that she, uh, about the Messiah that would, be, that would be delivered to the world. So this is a prophecy that she's, she's speaking here. And uh, he talks about that the, the, the proud would be scattered, the proud in heart, and that he would bring down the mighty from their thrones, and he would send the rich away empty. And meanwhile, he's exalting the humble and filling the hungry. You know, those words, those are revolutionary words. You know, think about this. This was written the time of Rome, and, and Luke is written to Theophilus, pay attention to this Theophilus he was a Roman he had stature he had wealth he had power and here's this young girl saying that God is going to displace all these people with power and he's going to bring a different kind of a kingdom a totally different kind of a kingdom so these words were revolutionary in fact uh, somewhere and I don't know where it was but they were asked not to read these publicly because it would turn the society upside down. Amazing words that God says about the Messiah. He would be a different Messiah. He would not be the kind of king that you and I think of, the kind of king that Israel was looking for, somebody with mighty power and royalty that would come in and, and, and give them power and glory. This is a king that was a servant king, a king that would go to the cross that would die, a king like no other king. Finally, last two verses. He has helped his servant Israel, this Messiah, and this, I mean God, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. God always fulfills his word. He's always merciful. And we see in this the fulfillment of the covenant that God promised to Abraham and all the other covenants in Jesus, fulfilled in Jesus the King. And as you and I wait for the fullness of time, we're waiting for the return of Christ. He is always faithful and he's always merciful. I've come to the end of my time, but I've got an assignment for you. 
I don't usually ask something like this. I certainly can't tell you, but I wish I could. Uh, this is an assignment. Some of you will ignore it, and some of you will forget it. It's an assignment to myself as well. We talk a lot about giving gifts to the Lord. And usually it's in the context of money. Now, here's an idea. I'm not sure why the Lord gave me this idea. I thought it would be really wonderful, interesting, if you wrote your own song to the Lord this week. See, Mary wrote that song to praise the Lord. Now, you're already saying, man, I don't write. I'm not musical. I can't rhyme. I don't have the time. You know what? I'm challenging you, and I'm challenging myself. It may be a two-line song, but why not write a song to the Lord? There's an interesting thought that would praise him and honor him and give him glory. And why not ask the Holy Spirit to guide you to do that? You think he would? I believe that he would. Maybe it's something that we could share with one another sometime. And you know what? I believe that God will be pleased with that gift of words that praise him and give him honor. It's a gift of faith, gift of affirmation, and a gift of anticipation in the fullness of time.